to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you're having a great start to your Thursday. The NBA Finals were last night. The Milwaukee Bucks have made it a 2-2 series with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and others absolutely dominating last night on the court. But we want to focus off the court with the Grizzlies. And someone that has been absolutely dominating NBA coverage when it comes to this season is Mr. Mark Schindler. You know him from Premium Hoops. You know him from Indy Cornrows. But an absolutely outstanding basketball analyst who has given so many great takes all year long. Mark, how are you doing this morning, sir? Uh, I'm doing really well, Sean. I appreciate the uh, the kind intro. Um, I've always enjoyed getting to talk, so I'm, I'm psyched to be face to face or as close as we can be right now. Um, but yeah, man, things are things are really good on my end. Glad to hear it. I know that, uh, that certainly uh, um, some great things going on. I'll say this, the Indy Cornrows group is among the best, if not the best, collection of folks over at SB Nation. Mark, Caitlin Co- Cooper, others. I've talked with Caitlin before. It's been absolutely outstanding to get their analysis beyond the Pacers, but that's why we wanted to bring it on. We'll talk about some of Mark's food takes. Won't spend <laughs> too much time on it with how with how horrible some are, but all joking aside, we uh, will certainly stick with basketball. But uh, Mark, I'll just ask this question for you so last night in the game it seems like over the past two games the thing that stood out for the bucks has been the ability to play more efficient basketball i think they're plus 20 in turnovers or plus 26 or something in turnovers of the past two games plus 20 in free throws that's a grizzly solid game when the three-pointer's not there but right now i think the bucks are showing as important the three is in the playoffs Playing consistent, efficient, good defense and efficient basketball overall is just as important, especially with both teams tired. Yeah, um, it's that's such a good point. I think looking at yesterday, too, um, like a lot of it came down to the defense for me. But also uh, I was talking about this on a pod earlier this morning, like a lot of it's shot variance. Like you look at the way that that Chris Paul played last night. Um, he really struggled. And like you mentioned, too, with turnovers, like they put Chris Middleton on him for the first time in the series for a long stretch. His extra length really bothered Chris. You could tell. Uh, I mean, they were really crunching down on him in the lane. Um, he ended up with five turnovers in the game. He only scored 10 points. You could just tell it was not comfortable. And, and a lot of that came from how the Bucks were playing defense on him. But also there were two or three shots where it felt like, well, that that's a shot that he's hitting in game one or two. Like that's something that's going. Um and I mean, even looking with Devin Booker, like he was fantastic last night. But once he came out of the game, like the Phoenix's ball movement overall was not nearly as good yesterday as it had been previously. Uh, and part of that got masked by how well Booker was playing and shooting. And then he goes out with foul trouble in the fourth quarter, kicks a chair. Um, and you could see how much uh, Phoenix really struggled. They, they just were out of rhythm, didn't have that. And, and I agree. I mean, the Bucks really got things going. Uh, defensively, I still do not like their offense. Um, a lot of it was just Chris Middleton hitting a ridiculous amount of shots yesterday. Uh, he, I mean, if you, I think him and Giannis combined for seventy percent of all Bucks offense yesterday, if if not a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, this 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 Bucks series has been uh, the defense has been efficient. The offense has been teetering on finding efficiency, is the way to put it. But um, I, I agree, this has been a hell of a series. And it's nice to see the new blood that's there. You know, the Bucks have been knocking on the door now for, you know, basically three, four years. But I want to focus on the Suns and the aspect of that's one thing that stands out. Now, injuries have played a part, an unprecedented season, whatever you want to call it. But that's the telltale sign or the standout sign of this playoffs, new blood being there. 
teams like Phoenix and Atlanta who have gone, so, who have done so well, surprise contenders. Going into next season now, I think that there are several teams who want to be that next Atlanta or that next Phoenix who are one or two moves away from being a surprise contender next season. I want to ask your opinion, Mark. Who do you think are the one or two teams this offseason who have the best chance to do that? And are the Grizzlies in that mix, in your opinion? Oh, man. It's uh, it's really tough to tell, not to cop out. It is just it's so tough to tell without any – free agency happening, which for I me, mean, free agency is ridiculously close, which is still wild to me. Um, I know things are going to happen with trades. Um, I'm not sure what to think about the Grizzlies right now. Like I think uh, they're still firmly in a team that I think is going to be vying for a playoff spot. Should be better next year with, with Jaron back for most of the year. Uh, fingers crossed on that. Um, you know, you expect Ja to take a leap. He had a rough year this year until towards the end, at least comparatively to where you thought he was going to be going. Um, I think I would put probably put New Orleans up there. I mean, I think they have moves to make this offseason. Uh, but, I mean, given what they're trying to do, they clearly – and some of the reporting coming out, they're clearly not trying to be a team that is losing. Um, I think you could point at Minnesota as well. Houston is still probably too far behind for my liking personally. but um, And I, I guess you expect Golden State to take a step up as well. But, I mean, Memphis is, is firmly in that that group of teams that's looking to take another step next year. And that's kind of where I stand as well. But the thing, you know, that you see with both Atlanta and Phoenix, it's not just the talents that they added with Chris Paul and Phoenix and then, you know, Bogdanovich and Gallinari for Atlanta. It's the internal improvement that you saw. You know, DeAndre Hunter and Collins, even Trey Young for Atlanta, Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, obviously, for Phoenix. I think that's the biggest thing. Jaw. Jaron, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark getting back to where he was his rookie season, seeing this internal improvement, this guy, these guys taking their next steps. I think that's the biggest thing for the Grizzlies going into next year. They want their best talents, their most critical young talents to take that next step. That's probably the critical step for them to get into that talk about being a surprise contender, if not this year, maybe in the 2022-2023 season. Oh, most definitely. And I think we saw that. I mean, with Memphis this year, again, like we mentioned, like uh, Ja had a, a struggle this year, but you saw uh, some real jumps from Dylan Brooks, who even like, I guess he he's still young. He's older than me, so I can't really consider. I mean, he's yeah, I guess you consider him young still, but um, he was fantastic defensively this year, really found some stuff offensively. And I think what he did in the playoffs and the play in was uh, just amazing to me. I loved watching Dylan Brooks play. It's crazy to think that was literally only like a month ago. It feels way longer, um, but that was a blast. I loved watching his growth from there. Um, you know, you saw a lot of younger players on the roster, just depth guys on the roster take steps. Like even, I mean, Kyle Anderson's 27 and he had the best season of his career. He really emerged as a guy who's a, a capable starter. Um, I mean, DeAnthony Melton was amazing. I've always loved DeAnthony Melton. I still think he should play more, um, but you know, it's, it's, picking nits but yeah I think you saw a lot of that growth this year and, and you're hoping for even more next year there's not there's one player on the roster who even got playing time that and they're not even with them anymore Gorgie Jang who's 30 like there's not a 30 year old player on the roster now um, which stands out to me considering the team plays like a veteran team in some regards 
before we started the podcast, Mark, you had mentioned uh, that um, one thing that stands out to you is that, you know, the Grizzlies are becoming a lot of folks' second or third favorite teams because of how young and how they play. But when you look at this team, not in terms of the individual players, but in the style that they play, their roster strengths and weaknesses, you know, the three-point shot stands out as needing to improve for them to take that next step. But is there anything else about this roster and how they play their game where you think it needs to improve for them to be that sustainable winner, to be a consistent presence in the playoffs, or to even advance in the playoffs? Just an area of improvement that stands out to you that you hope to see improvement in next season. Uh, I think two um, really stand out for me. Like Number one, they need playmaking outside of Ja. Um, like Kyle Anderson, Kyle Anderson is a really, really good connective wing who can run some pick and roll. Um, I don't – I mean, that's one of the deficiencies in Dylan Brooks's game right now. He's not a great playmaker. Uh, I like him as a play finisher, but as a playmaker, if he's running as much stuff on ball as he was this year, I think that is a little bit of a downside for what you're doing at the higher end. Um, like there are a lot of guys who are capable of keeping the ball moving, but there just aren't a lot of guys who you can rely on outside of Ja to consistently bend a defense. So I think that's that's what you're looking for 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 this team. Like I think you need somebody who can be that that second guy who is going to bend the defense uh, when Ja isn't. Uh, isn't the one doing it or isn't on the on the court. Um, so I think that's one. And then also just having more top-end talent. Um, like, uh, whether that comes via, uh, you know, from the draft or some sort of consolidation trade, um, because I do think you could point out, too, like, there's almost too much depth on this team. Like, uh, I want DeAnthony Melton to play 30 minutes a game. Uh, I want to see some of these guys – get more opportunity. And it's just at the point, like with how well this team is drafted, it's hard for everyone to see the court at the same time. And you have to try and find ways to make consolidations. And that's, that's one of the good parts of being a, a good or good organization. Like you have the options and, and flexibility to do it, but it's just finding a way to make it happen, finding the right time to make it happen, knowing, uh, okay, who do you think you can develop the most? Who do you think is going to, to, to give you the best long-term outcome on this team? Like, I think it's finding that, um, but ultimately, I think this team's in such a good place right now, comparatively. Like, um, I did not think uh, – like, I, I was one of the people who kept wanting grit and grind to get blown up uh, after the Western Conference Finals happened. It felt like it got prolonged, and the way things have worked out have been has been really kind of incredible to me because I remember watching the uh, – the season from hell for the for for the Grizzlies when uh, I think they rostered 26 guys during the year, and it's literally anybody and everybody, like Lance Stevenson, Wayne Selden, like – Everybody played on that team, uh, except for me. And it, it's, it's so to, to to be where the Grizzlies are now has been impressive to me. Um, but those would be the two two biggest additions to me. And also, like you mentioned, you need three point shooting. But I think it's more of um, getting guys who can open up some some easier looks from three, in my opinion. I think that's great insight. And and that's the thing, you know, you you hit the nail on the head as far as beyond the three point shooting. A couple of areas where the Grizzlies need to focus, but how might they do that? How might they improve in those areas this offseason? One thing we certainly want to talk with Mark about is his excellent takes on the upcoming draft. That's where we're going to jump into here in just a moment when we come back on Locked on Grizzlies. Again, time to recognize our ultimate moment of the week. And in the same mold of talking with Mark about the Grizzlies taking that next step to being a sustainable winner over the next few years, the ultimate moment this week is when they took the next step this year and they made it to the playoffs. The final play-in game against the Warriors where John Morant stepped up to arguably the best player on the court with Steph Curry, 
And when other players continued to step up, like Grayson Allen and Xavier Tillman hitting the big shots that they did. Well, the thing is, the happiness and joy that this team has playing with each other allows for those players to have the confidence of stepping up in the biggest of moments and delivering. And it's an enjoyment for all of us as fans to be able to witness as we can. Well, the thing about it is this, is that if joy, happiness, and enjoyment is something that you want as a fan consistently, the thing I can tell you is, is that the best way to do it is to be able to do it while enjoying a nice glab of Michelob Ultra and watching the teams that you enjoy to watch. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joys create success. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. The next time you watch the Grizzlies or a sporting event you love, make sure you enjoy it with a nice glass of Michelob Ultra. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a bit more this season. So, Mark, obviously your coverage, you know, uh, when it comes to the NBA is certainly wonderful, but also some incredibly insightful takes when it comes to the NBA draft. If you've not gotten the chance to read Mark's excellent work on prospects, he had a great, great article on James Booknight, someone that, you know, I and other fans hold in high regard. But want to start general and thinking a bit specific with you, Mark, when it comes to the draft. So for the Grizzlies and where they are as a team, this draft is so deep with upside. What comes into play, you feel, from a Grizzlies front office perspective? Should it be just as much upside as possible, regardless of position? Or do you feel that areas of need, like needing a bigger wing, or skill set need, like needing shot creators or playmakers, how big does do, do those things play into the factor? Like, yes, you want to go upside, but guys who are bigger wings, maybe you focus on that specific source of upside. How do you balance going pure upside, which is a strength of this draft, with roster and skill set needs that this team needs to have going forward? Yeah, I think that's a uh, it's a really good question. Um, it's something I think about a lot. Um, like not just to apply it to the Pacers, but I think that's one of the best ways of looking at it for me. I, you know, I hear this argument all the time, like, oh, you always have to take the best player available. And there are some people who think you should always draft for need, which I disagree with. I lean more towards taking the best player available, but also I think it's more about looking at, at your organization, knowing your strengths and also knowing your roster. Like obviously a roster is going to change. Um, nothing's concrete, but at the same time you have to say, okay, well, yeah, maybe if Sharif Cooper's on the board when we pick, we really like him and what he can do. But also, we have John Morant. Like, I don't think those two can really play together in a backcourt. And also, even if Sharif is the best player available, um, is there a real meaningful avenue for for him to develop to his highest highest level? Because if you're drafting a guy you want, like your goal should be, at least in my opinion, when you're drafting players, we want to get them to their highest outcome possible. Um do we see that with us? If you don't, then I think you should be lower on that guy. Um, so, I, like, I mean, just looking at the Pacers, like they drafted Goga Bataze two years ago, who was, by all accounts, the best player available when they drafted. But at the same time, they already had Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner. And we've seen now, I mean, Goga has played less than a 1,000 minutes in his career. Part of that's injury. Um, but also, like, he's a guy who, all right, if you're drafting just outside the lottery, just – in general, you need to have an avenue for that guy to get more minutes or at least expand his role and see what he can do. Uh, otherwise, I think you're kind of hampering what they're doing. I, I think practice can be really overrated by people who maybe aren't as uh, – saying aren't as connected sounds kind of asinine, but I just mean in general, like 
practice is not the same thing as playing games. You need the games to develop. Practice is a good thing, but it doesn't happen nearly as often as I think people believe it does at the NBA level. Um, real development is happening from the game. So you need to have an avenue for guys to play as much in-game as possible to actually develop. Um, so I think that's what I would say in looking at it the way that the Grizzlies should pick. Like, I do think getting a big wing would be important. Um, but also, like, if there is somebody who's, like, maybe more of a combo guard or, or a smaller wing, but they're the best player available at 17, then I would be willing to take them because the, this this team just needs higher-end players. Agreed. And that's what I think it comes down to. And it also fits their mold in that the Grizzlies have been aggressive. You know, the Grizzlies have, you know, really been regarded as being one of the better drafting teams over the past two years. But to get Tillman and Bain and Clark, they traded up to get those guys. Mm -hmm. And you're uh, Pacers are in a very interesting position at 13 because players like Jaden Springer, Sharif Cooper and others make sense in general. How do you feel the depth with as strong as this draft class is? How do you feel it's going to impact trades? Do you feel like that teams are going to be fine with multiple options that make sense that they're just going to stay instead of being too aggressive? Or do you think teams are going to shift a bit more, especially trading back with how much depth is here? Would we see more or less trades based off on how this deep this this how deep this draft class is compared to other years? Yeah, um, I think that's another good question. I so it's funny. Um, I think my mindset has changed on that a lot recently. Um, like I used to look at things and say, well, you know, I think a team should trade back if they think their guy's gonna be there. But also, um, I think I would I would say that there's uh like I I guess I would say I'm part of draft Twitter, not necessarily like I, I mean, I guess by choice because I do a lot of draft stuff, but um, like I think a lot of people would look at it and say, Well, you know, this guy is the guy that you you want to pick it. At, at, uh, let's say, you know, he he's a guy who, who's like eighth on your board, but you're picking, um, you know, you're picking like fourth or something. Um, or no, I'm getting it mixed up in my head. But point being like, let's say, all right, there's a guy that we want later back, like maybe four or five picks later. Um, and we have, you know, pick eight or something. Uh, like, I guess there, there are a couple of situations where I could say, yeah, you're maybe overdrafting guy. But at the same time, if there's a guy who you have zeroed in on, you think you – uh, as an organization can develop and you really you trust in that I think that the board doesn't really matter because the board is going to look different for teams than it's going to look for on on Twitter or um, among people in general like I know Chris Duarte um, a guy who like I personally have like just outside the lottery I know um, like just from hearing around like teams have him in the lottery and that's that shouldn't be surprised he's really skilled I think you know in general draft Twitter has a way of overrating and underrating age and, and that kind of thing. Like if a team really believes in somebody, they should just draft them where they're at, unless it's like, you know, a massive discrepancy. Like let's say with Xavier Tillman, like, okay, I know he might be available as late as early. I mean, as late as the second round. Um, but I'd be comfortable draft. I mean, trading up to, to draft him because we can see him fitting an immediate need and, and really helping our team out. So it, it depends on things like that. I think it's more, viable later on than it is you know trading a first round pick because that's just not as common um but i think that's that's probably the way i'd look at it 
And then the other thing that I'll ask as far as a different type of trade, you know, we recently did um, a community draft um, exercise in which you were involved as one of the trade judges, um, you know, through Grizzly Bear Blues. And I know that there was a, a deal that happened where I believe that you were very excited that in that deal, the Pacers got Kyle Anderson. Well, the, for a team like the Grizzlies who have these exciting players on expiring contracts, these veterans like a Tyus Jones or a Kyle Anderson, could we see that type of movement where current NBA players are traded for draft picks going from a team focused on the future that may like an extra pick to a team that's clearly a contender? Do you think there's room for those type of deals that could benefit a team like Memphis who has several expiring contracts going into this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with that because I, I mean, like we just mentioned, I like Kyle Anderson a lot. I think what makes it tough is if you look at this team right now, who is replacing Kyle Anderson? Like, I think this team, if you're trading Kyle Anderson, you're admitting that you're not going to make the playoffs this year, in my opinion. Like, unless there's a massive, massive leap from Jaron or or uh, or Ja. Like, I think, um, like even if you're expecting, I hope Justice Winslow is better next year because this was awful for him. Um, injuries don't help, but I mean, just the shot was not there in any way, shape or form. Um, but it's really tough because I think in, in some ways, Kyle Anderson's probably underrated among the league. Like people came in, they say always average. And I think there was a pretty decent stretch last year where I think Kyle was the best player on the roster, um, other than maybe Jonas. Um, but I mean, without Kyle, they probably don't make the playoffs this last year. Um, and I would definitely look at it the same way moving forward because I just don't know who's playing the three for you and doing some of the same things. Like he's one of the few guys I can look at and say, all right, he's going to space the floor. He's going to play average or above defense and he's capable of playmaking as well. Like there's just, there are guys who could do that on the roster eventually, but not right now. Um, so I think it just depends on what the, the mandate is from the Grizzlies front office. Do they want to make the playoffs this year? Do they, uh, want to take a little bit of a slower time to continue to develop. I, I think those are, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, if the front office has hinted at anything like that most of the time. And GM speak, they're going to leave things pretty open. Um, but, I, I mean, I think you could definitely see something like that happening, um, especially with him on a on an expiring deal, which means you would probably get less for him. But um, I, I'm i of the mindset I would keep Kyle around personally, but um, I, I don't know where you're at with that. Well, I'll say this not to, I won't go into too much detail, but I'm open to all options. And that's the thing in general about the Grizzlies, right? Is that they've done so well in creating a situation where any options that they explore are likely going to be fish, you know, it, it's going to be a good option for them to go with. But tough decisions have to be made. You knew that yourself from some of the moves that the Pacers have made. At some point, a competent front office has to start making tough decisions. And yeah. like the Pacers have done, it, it that starts this year, and it really starts with who you want to keep and who you want to eventually use as far as getting future value from present value. It's going to be some tough decisions to make for the Grizzlies coming up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even with with Jonas too. Like Jonas is an, an expiring this upcoming year. Um, I'm, so is Kyle. Uh, Justice Winslow. We're gonna see if the team picks up his option. Or not. I don't know if they have yet. Um, I mean, there's a there's a lot there. Like uh, Ja is up. It's so wild to think that Ja has a team option in after this year. Uh, it just it, that makes me feel old. Um, but. Yeah, the, like the, even just looking at at the salary cap right now, I mean the the way that the the roster is constructed in terms of payroll, like this team is going to have a lot of money to work with moving forward. But also, 
I mean, it's going to be locked up relatively soon. So they looking at making moves now before they have to pay Ja and Jaron um, is really important. Just the way that you build out a roster is so important to 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 make moves that allow you to kind of finagle the cap um, and the luxury tax and, and straddle the line a little bit. Um, but I agree. I mean, this is going it, to it, we're really going to find out what the Grizzlies front office wants to do um, this offseason. Um, like, are they comfortable being a team that's um, and I don't I don't like putting caps on teams and saying that, you know, just because they they, you know, keep Kyle or, and keep Valanciunas, um, that that means that they're not trying to win at the next level. But I think you could look at it and say, well, if they do trade those players and they do try and, you know, buy all to going a little bit more all in on on finding a third guy to be alongside Jaron and 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 Cha, then you do take a little bit of a step back and probably admit that you're not going to the playoffs. But it really just depends on on what the organization is looking to do. And it's going to be fun to certainly see that. So we spoke in general about what makes sense for the Grizzlies. Now going to pick Martin Sprains a bit on what prospects may make sense for the Grizzlies, not only in the draft, but maybe elsewhere this offseason. We'll get into a bit more specifics with Mark on the flip side. Over the next few weeks, teams across the NBA are going to be looking at ways to upgrade parts of their roster to make their roster the best it can be. Well, when it comes to your car, you probably look to do the same thing to keep it running at the best it can. And if that's something that you need to do in the immediate future, the place to choose is rockauto.com for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's very easy to use with only a few clicks of the button you'll likely find what you need because regardless of the make and model or the part that you need, rockauto.com is likely to have it. No matter your experience level when it comes to cars, rockauto.com is great to use because it's very cost-effective. This is a family-owned business. They know that car parts typically fall outside of budgets, so they'll try to make things as cost-effective as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Listen, the month of July has been so much fun. We've named our NHL Stanley Cup champion. We're three games away from naming an NBA champion, and we still have the NBA draft, the Olympics, and so many other fun things. Well, with all of this on the horizon, if you enjoy wagering and betting on sports, there's many different things to choose from to do just that. But there's only one place to go for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, and that's betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on the laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device and use the promo code LOCKEDON and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when you head to the website and sign up today to get your 50% welcome bonus from BetOnline.ag. Starting next week, July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey will be live. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite teams throughout this week-long special event. And I can tell you this, if you're a Grizzlies fan, it's going to be a fun week. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. 
All right, so Mark, we talk about draft philosophy. We talk about draft strategy. Got a couple of quick questions here for you in terms of prospects that could match what the Grizzlies need. So in a trade-up situation, and I'm not talking about like getting in the top five, throw out the guys who are usually in that top five, six, or seven, but when you look at a guy for the Grizzlies, for them to trade up, that's a reasonable guy for them to be able to get at a certain place on the board, like maybe with the Pacers, whatever it may be, who would be an ideal trade-up target for Memphis in this draft? Oh, man, that's a good question. I uh, So there's a guy who I really like that I think should be getting more buzz. I have him in my top 10. Um, I know others who do as well, but it's, I mean, he has one of the wildest ranges in the draft. Like there are people who have him top 10. There are people who have him in the second round. Um, and that's Rocco Percussion uh, out of Chibona in, I believe it's Serbia. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's Serbia. Um, he is, I think, the second youngest player in the draft behind Jaden Springer. Uh, three, four, like he's a, he's a combo forward. He's not really any kind of rim protector, but he just brings a ton of ancillary skills with real upside. Like I think he's going to be a, a significant plus defender in the NBA. He's a good rotator on the back line. He can play at the point of attack. He's got good instincts and help. Um, he can handle the ball pretty well. He drives well. He's got good craft at the rim. Um, he still needs to figure out his shot, but that's the kind of thing you're willing to bet on. Like I, I'm so much more willing to bet on somebody who has ball skills already, who has pat real passing flashes, who can create for themselves and, and for others, but they don't have the shot yet. Like I think the shot is something that you can work on and will come. It's much harder to teach somebody or, or see growth as as a playmaker or individual creator if it wasn't there originally. He's somebody I would definitely bet on, and I think he'll even be around at 17 where the Grizzlies pick. So I guess he wouldn't necessarily be a draft up guy, but he's somebody who um, I am hoping starts to get more buzz headed into the draft because I think he's going to be one of the 10 best players who comes out of this draft, frankly. Yeah, no, uh, Richard Stamen, uh, known as a uh, Mavs draft on Twitter uh, in his uh, 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 mock draft a few uh, probably six or seven weeks ago I gave him a little bit of hell just for the heck of it because you know I'd not started getting into my own research and, and now looking at Rocco and now hearing your opinion it, it's starting to be more consensus of just how good of a player he is and his game certainly shows that another question that I'll ask is this is so it feels like that the Grizzlies certainly need to look at offensive upside scoring mm -hmm. potential shot creators two or three names in this draft who would be reasonable at 17 or maybe maybe a slight trade up or back, but two or three names in this draft that you really think would fit the Grizzlies well in terms of their need for not only scoring, but individual shot creation. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, at 17, Jaden Springer for sure. Um, he's somebody I, I probably will end up having him top eight. Like, I think he's nine on my board right now, but I still am looking at doing my next uh, version of it. Um, and again, it's just a board. It doesn't mean everything. I don't think that I it, – it, like, just because a guy's hired doesn't mean I like him more. It's just necessarily where I'm at. Um, but Jaden Springer is, is going to be very good. Um, he is the youngest player in this draft. Uh, he showed some real – real on-ball potential uh, with awesome playmaking flashes, some ability to create for himself, and fantastic defense already at Tennessee. Like, I think he's just a better prospect than Keon Johnson. Was not treated like that most of the year. I think people are starting to turn around on that now. Um, he's somebody who I think, like, this is one of the things where it comes into draft philosophy. I think a lot of people will look at it and say, well, you know, why do we need to draft somebody who's going to play the two next to Jai if we already have Dylan Brooks? And I'm like, because I think Jaden Springer has the chance to be better than Dylan Brooks. Um, like Jaden Springer is going to be 
that good, in my opinion. Uh, I think from everything I know, he's uh, worked out for teams incredibly well. Uh, I just think he's got a really high ceiling. Um, and he's got a high floor, too, in my opinion, which doesn't get talked about enough. Like, he's going to be a very, very good defender, like possibly all defense at the next level. Um, he's got a fantastic frame that he's going to add on to. Um, like, even with – like, he played with an ankle injury for most of the last year at Tennessee. So, some of the bursts that has been seen at the Combine now – uh, wasn't really there for him. But even then, like, I think that's something that I found even more impressive. Like, even without creating a lot of separation at, you know, with with burst, he found ways to create separation with his strength. Um, like, he's one of the func- functionally strongest people in the draft class for his size and, and what he's able to do. Um, like, I, I'm very high on him. And if he's there at 17, I would be willing to take him. Um Zaire Williams uh, is a guy who I'm probably lower on than other people, but he's somebody who I would be willing to take at 17. Cause for me, it's like, it's ba- like, I I'm looking at doing a tiered board. I just don't have the software to do it right now. Um, like, you know, you can look at it and say, I'd be comfortable taking him at 17. He's more of a long-term bet. Uh, he really needs to grow out his frame. He like makes Jaron look filled out and Jaron still needs a lot to fill out. Uh, like I think he's he's six ten just about and weighs about as much as I do and I'm five foot eight, um, and I'm not like a heavy person at all. So it's like it's just a little uh, like watching him play. He's a fun player to watch, but I think a lot of it's just going to be determined by okay, well, how does he grow? Um, how does he get it fit with his body? Because like he's uh he's not like he's really shifty, but he's not somebody who's going to blow by anybody. Like his handles pretty solid for where he's at and especially for his size considering how much he's grown recently um and the shot looks really good but at the same time it doesn't go in nearly enough part of that is sample size he, he dealt with some injuries and some odd stuff at, at stanford when he was there uh, and he just had an overall really rough year um i think if you like he's one of the guys who i when i talk to scouts like they're still really high on him because of what he did in high school and and at the eybl um so he's somebody I would still bet on, but he's a long-term bet. Like he's a guy who I think is going to take a little bit before he's ready to contribute at the next level at a high, high degree. So that's more like looking at if you're willing to be a team that takes a longer time, or maybe you do keep Kyle and you just like have Zaire play as a rotation player, but he's a guy who might not be a higher end contributor for three or four years. Like it could really be a while before we see something from him. Um, and a third guy that I'd add at, at 17, let me look at my board. Um, it's nice to have it right behind you. That's a good. Place <laughs> yes, right I do. There. I actually, I, so I bought, uh, I bought a four by three whiteboard strictly for this. That's how uh, how much I've gotten into the draft this year. Um, I mean, I like, I, I guess another guy you could look at is like JT Thor. Um, I'm not again. He's another guy I'm not as high on as other people, but he's a guy who you look at with the upside. Like I think he's going to be a very high level defender. I don't know quite at Jaron's level. Like I, I, I still think like I'm the. This is I'll air myself out on Lockdown Grizzlies. I have higher Jaron Jackson Jr. stock than Joss stock. Like I think Jaron is a better prospect than Joss still, even though he's had the flaws that he has had in his game. What he's already shown has been really impressive to me, and I think he's going to be um, the better player at the end of the day. Um, you can roast me for that if you want at M Schindler NBA on Twitter. Um, but my third guy would, yeah, probably. I mean, JT Thor is a really good bet because he's shown stuff as a guy who can create his own three pointers. Um, at his size, I think that's really hard to find. Um, he's somebody who could be really interesting as a rim protector next to, to Jaron. The fit's a little wonky because they're both really lanky, kind of lean uh, guys at their size who aren't awesome rebounders, especially defensively. 
But in terms of pure upside bet, like I think he's somebody you would look at for sure at 17. Whew. I, I, you know, here's the thing. I was expecting an insightful answer, but I didn't think it'd be polarizing. And because the internal dilemma as a huge balls fan that I am, Mark, is that Keon's my favorite prospect and has been my favorite prospect all year long. And I'm fighting the urge to say Jaden's going to be better, but I, I, I'm not going to say it's not fair. Like it, it, it's a fair take for sure. But, you know, I, I think those are great answers. And this one, this is my last question will be the focus on you. We talk about Jaron and I certainly can understand his ceiling could be more impactful than John. I get where you're coming from, but also at that 17 spot, there are several front court prospects, Kai Jones. Um, and, and forgive me if I get the names wrong. I'm horrible with names. Alperin Singen, Usman Garuba, as well as Isaiah Jackson. I think that I would look at the first two than I would the last, but those front court talents with you needing to figure out the certainty with Jaron and Brandon Clark and with Jonas's future up in the air, I think a front court talent with those level of talents there, that could make sense at 17 as well. Yeah. Um, I guess I would add, I'd add to, uh, I think Keon is somebody who he might be available at 17 now because he is falling a little bit. I don't know how teams view him, but that's just the, uh, you know, analysis based. Um, I, I don't dislike Keon. I just think he's, uh, he's a lot harder to project at the next level than Jaden, in my opinion. Like I watch Jaden and I'm like, I can see the stuff that you do that is going to make sense to the next level. I watch Keon. I'm like, okay, well he has really awesome tools, but the shot isn't there. Um, I, I don't really trust his handle right now. He has some intriguing playmaking fla- flashes. Like he's like, he's got really good feel for the game considering how late he is to it. Um, but I just, it's harder. It's really hard to project what he's going to be at the next level and see that, but obviously he has the tools to do it. Um, I like Schengen. Uh I guess like the Grizzlies are one of the teams that I could look at. And I guess it would be interesting to me for him to be there because he's the kind of guy. And even with Jaron now, like you have to play funky defenses. Um, like, I, I'm somebody who like, I think there are people who are way too low on him just because they don't fit their particular brand of basketball. I don't really agree with that. Like, I think you have to, it's as a front office or just as an organization general, or as a scout, you have to look at it and be like, okay, well, who is the best player regardless of context? You know, who's the most skilled, who do I trust to develop the most? And then you have to trust coaching to put them in the right positions. Um, I am still not like the highest on Schengen. I have him like just outside the lottery, but he has like already a very polished, uh, extremely skilled uh, post game. I just don't know what else we're getting from him. Like, I think a lot of people have been like, oh, he could be like the Manas Sabonis or Nikola Vucevic. And I'm like, well, he hasn't really shown that level of playmaking. Like even with Vuce, like Vuce took a while before he got to being that kind of playmaking hub. And part of that's the way, offenses changed but also it took him a while to learn those reads and become somebody who's just consistently making those um and shangun is is smaller too like he's measured six foot nine at the combine if i remember correctly i know there are some disputes at and saying that he's six foot eleven even then his foot speed's not very good um i think that's stuff that you can try and improve at the next level with the strength and conditioning staff but it's just it's a little bit dicier. You do kind of back yourself into a corner. But granted, like he's going to be very skilled, and I think you could. It's something I'd be willing to bet on. Um, Kai Jones is hard for me. Um, I think I definitely like. I, I want to watch more of him and and try and not focus on some of the negative parts of his game so much. Like I think a lot of people watch his highlights and they're like, this guy should go top ten, and then 
I would just point out to people to watch a full game of him because is for every highlight he has, there are six or seven things that you can point out that are like, you know, this is not good. Like this is stuff that's really hard to to look at and be like, I'm really high on him. Um, like there are flashes. Like I think he's a guy who projects as potentially being a shooter at the next level. Like it's going to take time. Um, but he was willing to take them. He did some stuff for mid-range. That's nice. He's somebody who can attack closeouts potentially. But everything is all about potential. Like, there's not anything that I look at right now with him that I'm like, okay, that's going to get him on court day one. So it's hard to project him um, what his growth pattern is going to be. And I don't want to just like chew out and spit out what um, what other people have said. But it 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 in watching him, it stands out like he is somebody who, if things don't go right for him in the draft, it's hard to see him getting a second contract. Like it's the, because. He's that raw as a prospect right now. Um, like he didn't start in two years at Texas. Um, and I, I don't know. He's just somebody who's hard for me to, to really get into. Part of that's just my own personal biases. But I mean, I still have him just about lottery. And he's somebody who's worth betting on. But I just think it would be very difficult to see him um, impacting the court right away. And he's definitely a longer term bet. It sounds like the Grizzlies have a, have a tough decision on their hands. So my thought is, y'all just send us Sabonis or Brogdon for 17, and we'll call hmm. it even, Mark. Well, I'm it's kidding. probably going to be kidding. a no on that one. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, so I alluded to it earlier, and it, it, it's fun to always see – there being a contrast when it comes to such a popular take. And we joke, I see you joke a lot of times, I've joked with you before, your food takes. But I do have to ask while we have you on the podcast, your experience with Memphis barbecue or wings in general, have you tried them? And if you have, your thoughts compared to other forms of barbecue or wings that you've had in the past? Uh, So I am sure you've heard it. Have you ever been to Rendezvous in Memphis? Uh, that yes. was my my first experience to Memphis barbecue, and it is fantastic. Um, an absolute hole in the wall, like you would not like. I remember when I went. I think, gosh, it was probably a decade ago that I went. So I was still a kid, um, and I went with my family, and it took us like ten minutes to even find the place. But fantastic stuff. Um, I do enjoy Memphis barbecue. I'm not really a barbecue person in general, just because it's messy, and I think it can be overrated at times. But um, Memphis barbecue is, is for real. And I also like Memphis as a city a lot. It's a beautiful place. It is. And I'll tell you this rendezvous. It's not bad, but I will say, I agree with others. Like there's one and only barbecue there's central barbecue. There's probably 10 or 15 other places that I don't even know because I have not frequented Memphis that much since I've been here, but that's mm-hmm. the thing about it. There's so many different options as well. But speaking of options, there are plenty of different ways in which folks can find your great work. And I cannot, say this enough mark is absolutely wonderful he has seen a great great um re- reaction to all of his work he has certainly certainly deserved all of it where can people find your great work mark and, and put nothing but best of luck to you going forward as you continue to rise as a basketball analyst in mind in general hopefully not as a food critic you stick to <laughs> yeah i will i will stay away from food critic uh i really appreciate the kind words sean it means a lot um I actually just launched a Patreon recently because I'm still trying to find full-time work in basketball. I just graduated from college a couple months ago. So, um, you know, on the, on the job track right now, but yeah, you can, you can find my Patreon. I think it's just patreon.com slash M Schindler. Um, you can find me on Twitter at M Schindler NBA. I'm always posting my stuff up there. 
my website that I co-founded with a couple of friends who also cover the league premium hoops. And then I do a lot of work over at Indy Cornrows as well. Um, thanks a ton for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. All of all the, nothing but absolutely uh, gratitude on my end for you taking the time. Again, you can follow Mark's great work. He's part of a great group over at Premium Hoops and Indy Cornrows. If it is available to for him, we will certainly have him on probably before the season starts to talk a bit more about what the Grizzlies can do. But again, you can follow uh, Mark's great work on Twitter at Premium Hoops and at Indy Cornrows. Follow him at M. Schindler NBA on Twitter. Follow our show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC. My name's Sean Coleman for Mark Schindler. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.